Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. On today's episode of GIST Healthcare Daily, we have the second part of our conversation with healthcare futurist Jeff Goldsmith, president of Health Futures, Inc., based in Virginia, and California-based Ian Morrison, who writes and lectures about healthcare and is the former president of the Institute for the Future. It's Monday, April 12th, and I'm Alex Olgan with GIST Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines in health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find the show. On last Monday's episode, Jeff and Ian said it's time to reconsider the social impact of large health systems because of the vital roles they played during the pandemic. Today, we pick up the conversation looking forward. As we move past pandemic crisis mode, I asked Ian how we can leverage health systems' vast networks to build a more robust public health infrastructure. You know, I think we all acknowledge the woeful investment in their public health infrastructure and post-pandemic kind of imagine, well, we're magically going to, you know, re, you know, put massive amounts of money into local county uh, public health departments to do what they've been doing all along. And I, I, the cynic in me says, one of my mentors was a pathologist and he, he said, look, when a pile of money is thrown on the floor, the surgeons will get more of it than the public health people. And, and so, you know, the, the thought that we are massively going to reinvest in that infrastructure, I, I you even know the need is there and there's a legitimate claim on it. Um, I think we're going to have to rely on these large integrated healthcare delivery systems as at least, you know, partners and, 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 uh, part of that infrastructure on a go forward basis, because I, I just it's hard for me to imagine massive reinvestment, even though it's warranted. In President Biden's first budget request, he proposed big increases in funding for the Department of Health and Human Services and the CDC. But with a divided Congress, that faces an uphill battle. So even without massive reinvestments, Jeff, how do you think health systems and public health departments could work better together? I mean, there were clearly a lot of gaps exposed by the pandemic. And, you know, I think that's going to take some bridge building. Um, I have friends that are a new administration of a large academic health center um, in, you know, my region. And when they met with the local public health authorities to present the infrastructure that they were offering to use uh, to deal with both testing and administration of vaccines, the public health official just took the papers and tore them up. That's how bad the history was. And I just think we've got to look past uh, those 
um, disappointments and misunderstandings and all the rest of it and say, you know, look, you know, there are tens of thousands, in some case, hundreds of thousands of active patient records in these places that are longitudinal and ongoing relationships with their caregivers that, you know, is so far more, so much more powerful than what a, a public health system is capable of conjuring up with, with grant money um, or, or money from Washington for that matter. We've got to look at where the leverage is to really move public health forward. And I think these systems, they're not just hospital systems. Um, they're spread out across the continuum. They've got huge care, care infrastructure, um, thousands and thousands uh, of employed uh, you know, clinicians. Um, these are powerful tools that I think can be put at the disposal of public policy if we just begin, perhaps begin anew with a good example that we've seen here in the last nine to 12 months and really create something that works for patients and for, for citizens. You know, over the last 10 or 15 years, we've gone from essentially a, a 19th century information structure to 20, at least 20th, if not 21st. Uh, and a large part of that is the automation of health records. And as Jeff said, you know, that is a, you know, very powerful infrastructure that, you know, probably the majority of Americans actually are in somebody's Epic or Cerner yep. system. Uh, one way or another, and, and we should be imagining the future of public health with that reality in mind. For what it's worth, I mean, here we are a year into this pandemic, we still don't have the contact tracing down right. You know, so what happens the next time this happens? Are we going to fumble our way through this where we don't, we really can't close it off at the front end because we can't find people that are infected and, and communicate effectively with them that, you know, they need to get care and make sure that the care is provided and that they're followed up. We're not gonna create that system out of whole cloth, but it exists in these places. It exists in these systems. And we just have to figure out a way to legitimize that use and to make sure that the patients and people in the community understand that it's there to help them. Now that vaccinations are picking up and we're hopefully turning a corner on the pandemic, what do you think the brave new world of healthcare will look like? The, the, what we're seeing is the bouncing back to normalcy in terms of activity levels and and the money, if you like. Um, you know, I think there's some, some encouraging signs that hospitals are down but not out uh, as our care uh, providers. I think you know the Biden administration and and the American Recovery Plan uh, shores up Obamacare uh, in the short run, um, which is a good thing um, and and is encouraging in terms of getting us to kind of closer uh, to reversing a decline in coverage to expanding coverage, the longer term is, is really more about, you know, are we gonna disrupt the incumbents in the system? I have a slightly different um, uh, perspective on it and that is as a patient. I mean, I had five complex surgeries in a 29 month uh, stretch back uh, in 2015 to 2017 and only three of the people that touched me in five complex scary operations were over the age of 40. And yet when I did board retreats or, you know, workshops, or even, you know, I talked to a hospital association, there were very few people under the age of 60 in the room. There is a generational transition that's going to happen here shortly where people of Ian and my vintage are going to retire or move on to, into emeritus roles and teaching roles. And any new cadre of leadership leaders are going to emerge that are in their forties. Um, or maybe even younger. And I think that 
um, leadership transition is going, to, is going to be very important in changing culture and changing how managements react and make decisions. And a lot of those leaders were forged in the fire of this pandemic. Um, they're never going to forget what happened in the last 12 months. And I think it's going to have a fundamental effect on how they manage and how they move their organizations and systems forward. So I'm really excited about that transition as much as I am about uh, the funding uh, changes that, uh, that Ian talked about. So as the next generation of medical professionals who, like you said, Jeff, are going to be shaped by the pandemic are stepping into leadership roles, what implications do you think that will have for, say, how systems integrate digital or virtual health, Ian? That's a key change. And I think if you, if, you know, it, it has implications for the longer term, including, you know, the potential for digital transformation of healthcare services. I've always been a fan of digital health. I'm a little leery about the disruptive uh, quality. And, and the question is whether it's better for these new technologies to be embedded in, in these larger systems rather than viewing the goal of, uh, you know, the new digital health revolution to be unseat, you know, these health systems. I, I, you could, we could get into various scenarios, but, but I, I do believe that probably the best outcome for the country is that we see these younger leaders that Jeff's talking about embrace, you know, some of the innovation and embed it uh, in a transformation of, of our existing uh, institutions. That to me would be the right outcome. One of the advantages of, of those 40 something leaders is that they're digital natives. It's that they've spent their entire life. A digital isn't something new <laughs> to them. It's, it's the way they communicate and the way they manage. So I, I think the idea that, um, you know, this, this revolution in telehealth and virtual health is something that is separate and apart from what they do every day. It's just, they're not gonna think that way. Um, and I think they're going to be frankly tougher customers. They're going to be looking for performance and return on investment and improvements in care uh, aggressively uh, before they forge partnerships with anybody. Um, so I, 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 I mean, I've, I've been watching this flood of investment in, in, in digital technology and, and just kind of scratching my head and wondering, you know, who, who's going to manage this? Uh, and, and how is it going to benefit me as a patient the next time I need uh, care? I think those are the key questions for the longer run, uh, you know, apart from the, the, you know, the macroeconomic and political environment of deficit and what it means for Medicare and Medicaid and commercial pricing and drug pricing and all that. Uh, stuff that will be an ongoing saga. I think the core question is, as Jeff poses, is what happens to the clinical enterprise and what does it look like uh, going forward? That was healthcare futurists Ian Morrison and Jeff Goldsmith. Thanks for listening to GIST Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olkin. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on GISTHealthcare.com. GIST Healthcare Daily is an independent production of GIST Healthcare. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.